What is the first thing that happens, the very first thing that happens when you stumble across something significant in any field, or irrespective of even the fields that we discuss with respect to science? What happens? For better or worse, you get attacked. Now, case in point, we can look at, for example, people like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as of recently, people like Dr. Robert Malone. Uh, we can go on and on and on, but what's very interesting is that after step one, of being attacked, not necessarily being attacked with respects to the information in which you are presenting, but more so with regards to uh, ad hominem type attacks to target the pineal gland, which I will get into shortly. But what happens after these attacks, if you will, of misinformation and disinformation begin coming towards you after you stumble across something significant? What then happens after that is campaigns are then set out to discredit you and do the best that they can to get as close into your, dare I say, personal vicinity in an ultimate attempt to discredit you. But what's very peculiar is that this even speaks to the UDA loop, the Organize, Orient, Decide, uh, Act loop. Because point number three in all of this, after you're you know, still being attacked, or even after you're done being attacked, which usually they don't end, is that the attackers must keep attacking. They can never backtrack on anything they've said because they would find immensely tremendous hypocritical statements in the things in which they these attackers were claiming now with that said i would like to thank a very valued member of the patreon of course there are all of you are valued but uh, one in particular for pointing out a particular patent in which we are going to look at in this episode so i'd like to thank our member becoming giant now again very kindly for those that are not familiar we are much more active on the patreon patreon.com generation z i'm very excited to announce that we're going to be doing some levitation experiments at my house here uh, very, very soon. So it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Now, with that said, today's episode is called, of course, Dave's Emergency Broadcast, Weaponizing Ad Hominem Attacks to Shape Your Pineal Lens. Now, shape stands for strategic honing of adibiotic perception engagement. And we're going to delve into that shortly. This also goes into, by the way, the different fractalization of personalities speaking to Carl Jung, as well as other things such as a Fisher information, which speaks to a sort of finite closed loop circle scenario, in which speaks to many people and many other, dare I say, even uh, bots, if you will, in which attack so many others out there that are essentially trying to provide and disseminate a form of information in which holds significant value in that of a sort of finite loop structure, if that makes any sense. Now, before we go on any uh, any further, I would like to state, not so much for the members, because the members have been privy to this in the last handful of days as of the time I'm recording this, but more so for the public when this does go public. Yours truly has been the, uh, we could say, victim of many different slanderous attacks, campaigns, etc., etc. Many of you probably have not even heard about it, which is honestly great. I'm not going to fuel any type of specific fire by addressing where these attacks are coming from. They're coming from more than one place in particular. With that said, though, I find it very peculiar that these attacks are beginning to ramp up as I begin, not just on the Patreon, but even having conversations with people one-on-one -on, -one on Zoom calls, having phone calls, uh, particularly as I have begun to travel more in order to, dare I say, begin to assemble something in which may have significant, significant, uh, we could say, consequences for uh, the, the scientific community, and I don't say that in a narcissistic fashion, but even the information in which I am putting out, not just publicly, but more so on the Patreon, it's very interesting to see the timing of such attacks in correspondence 
with what I'm revealing. So with that said, let's dive right into the overall concept and argument that we're going to be looking at here as it pertains to the shaping of one's pineal lens. So what I'm going to be doing here is I'm going to be minimizing my screen as per usual so we get me out of the way. So first, when we look at shape, for example, which stands for, again, strategic honing of adibiotic perception engagement, what we'll find here is just a simple Google search is that an adibiotic refers to a process in which no heat is transferred into or out of a system and the change in internal energy is only done by work. What's interesting about this is that we can take this to and apply it to that of electromechanical processes and physical processes, but if we think of the idea of a sort of Klein-type bottle situation, we must ask ourselves very strongly that if we see here a Klein-type bottle, we must ask ourselves if Again, we see actually a fantastic representation in a topological perspective in this sort of Mobius strip spiral type scenario where we, if, if we were able to include a fourth a spatial dimension or a third time derivative, the Mobius strip would actually work. But if we stick to the basic idea of a Klein bottle, say with this particular image right here, it speaks to this idea of the way in which not just human behavior works, but also the way in which UAP and other very, uh, dare I say, quantum-oriented devices work in which there is a self sustaining feedback system and for those not familiar we can look for example at um, a beta decay in cobalt 60 there's been many discussions with respects to utilizing inertial electrostatic confinement IEC as a means of using for example both cold and hot fusion although the cold fusion is very controversial again I wonder why as cold fusion and its their advocates have been attacked for many years we find that this idea of bringing particles back from the system they, that they were going to leave, but then bringing them back in, where you see my mouse following here, is a system that is self-sustaining, which also enables perpetual motion, which violates Newton's second law of thermodynamics, which again speaks to this idea of there not needing to be a grander structure that we as the average person would have to rely on if a system like this were to be powering our homes, for example. Now, what's interesting about all of this is that when it, this is how the adibiotic process essentially works, but if we were to look, for example, at something called Fisher information, right? We see here that in mathematical statistics, and I quote according to Wikipedia, the Fisher information is a way of measuring the amount of information that an observable random variable X carries about an unknown parameter of a distribution that models X. Formally, it is the variance of the score or the expected value of the observed information. Now, before I go on, and for those that may not understand this, let me just state that this Fisher information can also derive the Schrodinger wave equation, but not only that, but one can also find that this Fisher information details a very peculiar phenomenon that is not just more than a phenomenon, I just use that word vaguely, because again, mainstream science doesn't, uh, not that we need to conform or confide by them, but they don't like when you use, you know, certain words that, they, they, that disturb them, if you will, dare I say magic, and so we'll use the word phenomenon. What this describes essentially is that the individual soul or individual that is observing a certain, let's say, environment or a certain structure, for example, even the pen in my hand as I'm holding here, the very act of observing defines the parameters and the volume and the density and the pressure and all of, all of the variables in which you are observing in a creative sense. So what I mean by that is 
essentially one is rendering their own perception in an observational regard. Now you may say, Dave, how is that the case when others see the same thing that I do? Well, if we were all non-locally tethered, perhaps via plasma being the fourth state of matter, to some type of source station, if you will, then this fissure information would be fed in via and out and inside of that source information, or that source station rather, just like, just like the Klein bottle system right so let's now take a look for example and this is where i must thank our patreon member becoming giant for pointing this out to me very substantially worldwide.espacenet.com we see patent number us 200208846 a1 mind personality transfer method now before we go into the description just notice from a quantum perspective particularly those that are members of we as we have discussed in the group zoom calls i'm going to zoom in here in the bottom right corner the patent was, uh, was, I believe, granted in July, on July 11, 2002. Look at the concave connections that seem to describe an overall concept of, again, the two hemispheres of the brain, the, you know, the north and south poles of the planet. And I know may, many of you publicly may be saying, Dave, okay, how are you making those correlations? Well, again, we discuss much more with respect to uh, the poly exclusion principle and the half integer spin on Patreon and many other places. But we see here, for example, the intercorrelating connection of what's called phase conjugation and vector summation, which also speaks to that of the structure of the Kabbalah, as well as the DNA double helix caduceus-like uh, angle, because if we were to induce what are called Schwinger limits, in loop quantum gravity, which enable non-linearity within the local Einstein metric tensor, we would find that these angles, ultimately, after a certain threshold, if you will, of power densities, actually become vortex-like. Now, what's interesting about the vortex-like angle is that this is allegedly what is inside of our pineal gland, but we'll get there shortly. We see here, this invention can permanently in the future develop minds and personalities of creatures which were considered in the past to decay and become extinct owing to aging and death by transferring minds and personalities of creatures to new clone bodies with preserving self-identity. This invention is particularly valid in the case that an invalid has little chance of recovery due to serious multiple organ failures in the case that general prostration or severe senility of the whole body makes urgent organ exchanges ineffective in the case that it will not be long before an individual moves to new clone bodies on some other grounds, etc. My invention is the repetitive process of transferring central nervous system and other systems of individuals and old, old clone bodies to new clone bodies. Now, what's very interesting about all of this, by the way, folks, is that this speaks to the idea that there's an underlying, dare I say, uh, perhaps, well, we will say archetypal, but we'll put that aside for a moment, an underlying structure or blueprint. And we see, for example, the work of the likes of Dr. Michael Levin, who many have speculated may be an upcoming Nobel Prize uh, nominee or winner, excuse me. Now, that is not to say that one needs to be in that category to even to be correct or whatsoever. Again, if take a look at yours truly in certain regards. But we see, for example, that this capability seems to reside within the same platonic solids and geometries having to do with Pythagoras' theorem with respect to, again, what is called angular momentum, and we could say uh, an induced gradients of a non-linear, uh, dare I say, uh, dielectric factor. We'll leave it at that. Now, what's very interesting in particular about all of this is that if we look, for example, at Wikipedia at closed time-like curves, what we're going to find with closed time-like curves is that they represent an elliptic structure, which represents a finite type structure that is within a larger superstructure of an even bigger macro system. Now, this speaks to all cells in our body, which speaks to fractals. This speaks to even how trees grow and plants grow, etc., etc., 
you can also state that this is the negentropic process of nature. Now, what's interesting is that if we jump over here to what the pineal gland is, according to Wikipedia, it is a small endocrine gland in the brain of most vertebrates. It produces melatonin, a serotonin-derived hormone which modulates sleep patterns in both circadian and seasonal cycles. The shape of the gland resembles a pine cone. This is why I'm bringing this full circle with respects to notice how, again, the um, last time I, that I will mention this, the attacks begin to pile up upon yours truly as more of this discovery is is detailed both on not just the Patreon but in other areas as well. We see this vortex-like pinecone scenario, but not only that, the pineal gland is located in the epithalamus near the center of the brain between the two hemispheres tucked in a groove where the two halves of the thalamus join. Between the two hemispheres, does that not remind us of this particular pattern right over here in a visual sense? This is this occurrence of this transition, excuse me, is occurring between two concave hemispheres of the overall apparatus of, say, we don't know, the human, what, what could it be, the human brain, we're not sure. Again, very interesting to see, isn't it? We find as well that if we look at the celebtimes.com, not exactly a mainstream media website, does the pineal gland have a lens, cornea, and retina? We have a third eye. As with a regular eye, the pineal gland is made up of a cornea, a lens, and a retina, are paired eyes. And the pineal are also very similar, as well as the reptilian pineal, in terms of embryological development and the genes expressed during this. Now, what's very interesting about this is that you may say, Dave, well, this is the celeb times, this is nothing of, you know, vast significance, but if we take a look, and again, a highly respected the Anatomical Society of India, excuse me, pineal gland, a paper, peer-reviewed, a structural and functional enigma. The structures and functions of neuroendocrine pineal gland remains an enigma to both philosophers and scientists alike since time immemorial. Now, here's what's interesting. Unless one were to stumble upon this, and again, I'm not claiming that yours truly has, but if yours truly has... I would certainly be humble enough to say that I would not be the first one, but it speaks to this idea of conical tapering pertaining to the Fibonacci sequence, Pythagoras' ratio, etc., etc. We find, again, a fantastic layout of the pineal gland and its different phenomena associated with it, but again, we, why isn't it that there aren't any more studies on them with respects to much more significant surface-level uh, discoveries? Well, I mean, very similar to that of why, for example, anything regarding uh, relating to non, we could say, proprietary filing or non-money-making uh, angles of things, we'll find very few papers on such. Again, many other paper, many papers have been written. The papers usually end off with things, not in this case, but in general, I'm paraphrasing. Papers usually end with, well, this is this is of significant, uh, substantial, uh, you know, consequence for various industries, applications, etc. The paper gets written about it, and then it disappears. Very interesting, isn't it? Now, not only that. We find as well that I will be the first one to, to, well, not the first, but I will be, dare I say, more open in discussing this uh, as per recent uh, events. Um, adrenochrome. If you look at adrenochrome, there's study, there's all kinds of studies on the NIH's website. They're there. But, you know, apparently they were studied in the 1950s and I believe circa early mid-1960s, and then that was it, allegedly. So again, we find the disappearances of things very interesting, and we find cbc.ca... Again, March 3rd, 2017, product, product of a holy grail physics experiment has disappeared. It's gone. We don't know. In late January, Dr. Isaac Silvera published a paper in the journal Science in which he claimed to have done something that has never been done. 
turning hydrogen gas into a metal. This could be a game-changing play. But again, well, now one month later, something has happened. His one-of-a-kind piece of hydrogen had disappeared. Very interesting. When Dr. Silvera's results were published, many of his peers didn't believe him and questioned his process and claims, just like the individual that ended up, uh, again, I'm not trying to say that one needs to win a Nobel Prize or even be acknowledged by these institutions to make something or to, to be accredited to something, but just like the individual who discovered officially the quasi-crystal, Although the quasi-crystal, I believe he won the Nobel Prize circa 2011, although the quasi-crystal was, many whistleblowers were coming out 20, 30 years prior from places like uh, Area 51. We see Mr. Ed Fouché, for example. He made a prediction in the 90s, as we've covered on our Patreon, talking about how he believed the quasi-crystal would be of substantial significance down the road in terms of being able to do many things in the quantum realm technologically. Again, that was in the 90s. And then, but the, uh, the quasi-crystal was not officially discovered until 2011. Interesting. We also find as well that the discovery of the quasi-crystal led to the discoverer himself being attacked over and over and over again, not even on his findings, but on him himself as a person. So we, when we bring all of this full circle and we think of the different ideas of the pineal gland and the way that different curves and antibiotic processes tend to work, we then must ask ourselves, is there an element in a sort of Klein bottle type fashion in which a situation has occurred where certain people, dare I say, that, that are enabling and have, uh, dare I say, feel the need to not try and understand science, but more so attack individuals, is it possible that due to what's called the Jungian archetypes that are sort of spliced up via what's called Fisher information, again, of which one could deride, uh, derive the Schrodinger wave equation from with respects to the ebb and flow and also collapsing of a wave, could it be possible that past lives or past people have had certain elements or things occur in their past lives, which allows for more emotional responses today to then be induced in this particular regard. Now, I'm not saying that about yours truly, I'm saying that about the idea of emotional fluctuation and variability. So, with that said everyone, I hope you folks all enjoyed this recording or this presentation. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time uh, to do, and we will catch everybody very, very soon. Thank you so very much.